Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 16 through 23. So listen now for the word of God. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I might so that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. It's the word of God for the people of God. So many of you golf, yes? 18 holes, clubs, Mike is over there dancing in the back for some reason. I have mixed feelings about golf. Somebody once told me that I should golf. You should learn to golf, Matt. It's a relaxing time. <laughs> It'll be restful for you. Well, I tried. And be wary of anyone who says that golf is restful and relaxing. I don't believe them, and it may have been one of the most frustrating experiences of my entire life. And to top it off, I spent a lot of money being frustrated. <laughs> money that I cannot get back. But this difficult experience didn't stop me from pursuing the, uh, the romantic, the, the lore associated with golf. And soon after I started to get interested in golf, I discovered a movie called The Legend of Bagger Vance. Y'all know this movie? Will Smith, yeah. Uh, well, surprisingly, it was not the main character um, that captured my imagination. It wasn't Bagger Vance. He was this guy who was naturally gifted at golf, but his career got cut short because of one of the world wars, and he had to go, and he had a horrible time in the war and came back, and the story is really about him kind of recovering himself. But I couldn't relate. I'd never gone to war. I'd never lost friends the way that he lost friends in war, and I've never really been naturally gifted at anything, and I just couldn't get past Matt Damon as a golfer. But a supporting character by the name of Bobby Jones uh, was captivating. And after some quick research, I discovered that Bobby Jones is an actual person. He was an amateur golfer. And to this day, he's the only golfer in history to win the Grand Slam, to complete it in a single calendar season. That's where you win all four of the majors. And he did it in one year. Now, I want to let this sink in for a moment. There are only five other players in the history of golf that have done this, this thing. 
but it took them the entirety of their careers to do it. And they were professionals. Bobby Jones played as an amateur. He actually made his living as a lawyer. He didn't play for money. And he retired from competition at the age of 28. And if you peruse his quote, his deep love for golf is evident. For him, golf was a teacher of life. And though he did partake of the rewards from golf later in his life, material rewards and, and money, I'd like to think that he played the game differently because he played it as an amateur. I'd like to believe that for Bobby Jones, playing golf was the reward. So leading up to the scripture passages I just read, Paul is making an argument for a just reward. And I want to back up just a moment to verse 10. He says here, it was indeed written for our sake, for whoever plows should plow in hope, and whoever threshes should thresh in the hope of a share in the crop. If we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we still more? It's a reasonable stance that Paul is taking here. A person has a right to reap what they sow. Paul puts this argument into play in the scripture, and then soon after he seems to squash it. Here's verse 15. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing this so that they may be applied in my case. Indeed, I would rather die than that. No one will deprive me of my ground for boasting. In other words, I'm deserving of the material benefits, but I will refuse them. Why is that, Paul? Well, he tells us in verse 18, which we read today. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For Paul... The fruits of his labor are in the freedom that is inherent in the gospel. For Paul, the gospel is not transactional. The gospel is not secret knowledge. And for Paul, a, a particular group cannot exclusively lay claim to the gospel. For Paul, the gospel is a labor of love. And we can't carry the expectation that we can get something out of the people we share it with. This is not the essence of the way gospel, the gospel came to us. The gospel was freely given, and if Paul has anything to say about it, it will be freely received. So Paul says first, we have freedom granted to us by the gospel. It's a release from the expectations of those who would seek to twist its meaning or to commoditize its value. As is so often the case when we give and receive something, there tends to be an underlying expectation that we hold over those we give to. And sometimes there's an under-the-surface resentment that builds when we see others receive something good, something we may deem undeserved. 
But Paul seems to be saying this, we don't share in, we don't live out, we don't bear witness to the gospel because we get something in return. We do it because we are called to share it. We are called to live into it. We are called to bear witness to it. And this is a really powerful point by Paul, but as Paul does, he doesn't really stop in one place. He keeps going here, and he builds to this powerful assertion, to the Jews, I become like the Jews, to those outside the law, I become like those outside the law, to the weak, I become weak, and then he finishes here, I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Now, we have to be careful here, because I don't think that Paul is concluding that, that we just become pushovers, condoning every aspect of, of someone's way of being or someone's difference uh, from us. But I think Paul is saying that by the gospel, we are free to walk with all people. Paul is saying that the landscape of our differences is precisely the place we are to meet in the sharing of the gospel. So this is sort of a, a light-hearted example, but I, I, I'm hoping to paint the picture here. I was once a die-hard meat eater. I, I still love meat. The best way to be my friend is to take me to some really great barbecue. It's still a thing, right? But a few years ago, it occurred to me that I was so immersed in my meat-eating ways that I began to characterize, to ridicule, to judge everyone else who ate differently than I did. So I did the rational thing. I became, for a time, a vegan. Calm down. <laughs> but it, it didn't take me long to realize this isn't that bad. I learned a lot from my journey as a vegan. I learned that there are a thousand different ways to prepare vegetables, and I also learned that not every meal needed to revolve around a slab of beef. Some of y'all disagree. Go be a vegan. I'd like to think that my diet is richer because of this journey. The whole thing made me realize that it is possible to be free to eat as you will and still be a slave to ridicule and to judgment. Now, I am distilling a very serious debate with tough choices in a simple manner. I get that. But I only want to make the point that we rarely ever walk close to somebody different from us to challenge our assumptions and alter our prejudices. See, segments of our population tend to shout across the gulf of our differences at another, you're doing it wrong. I wish if it was that simple. But I've never seen hearts and minds changed by yelling at somebody that they're doing it wrong or shaming somebody for doing it differently. If, you know... This whole thing that Paul says, but I became all things to all people. For the Jews, I became like the Jews. That's a hard teaching. It's like saying, for the Democrats, I became like a Democrat. 
for the Republicans. I became like a Republican. Now, I don't think it's this, this is as simple as just saying these are preferences. That's not what I'm saying either. And I, and I don't think Paul is saying that you compromise your moral convictions. But I think he means to point out that we often do exclusively operate only from places of comfort and security. We do these things without any intention to empathize with how the other may see the world and become aware of the, the powers and influences, opportunities, the disadvantages that have formed them. We are a, a culture of prejudice rather than one of conscience. We'd rather judge than listen. We'd rather take than share or be right instead of being forgiving. And this is where Paul lands. When you share in the gospel of Christ, you are free to do it for love. And love yields a reward beyond anything we can imagine. When you share in the gospel of Christ, you are free to be the salt of the earth, to mix into the world without prejudice, without judgment. And here's, I think, the true story for all of us, friends. We we reflect the light of the gospel every day. That's what we choose to do as Christians. And make no mistake, pro proclaiming the gospel is more than physically saying words. It's about meeting people where they are. So are we obscuring the light of the gospel by binding ourselves to expectations that are out of sync with its, ess with its essence? that are out of sync with love? Are we binding others by the obstructions of our prejudices or ideas of how things and people should look? Or at the heart, are we trying to see people as Christ would see them? Have we become all things to all people that we might by all means save some? And thanks be to God, there is grace in this endeavor. <laughs> Thanks be to God. The inbreaking of God's kingdom here in our world on earth is not entirely dependent on our efforts. But as Christians, we do choose to take responsibility, to have accountability in walking alongside others. Not because we want something from them in return, or not only with those we deem worthy, Paul is charging us to remember that we do it for the most important thing, the gospel of Christ. So when Bobby Jones was 48, he was diagnosed, diagnosed with a syringomyelia. I had to practice that over and over again to get that right. I'm really proud of myself right now. But it was a degenerative spinal disease that was terribly painful and incurable. So soon after his 48th birthday, he was put in a wheelchair for the remainder of his life. The greatest golfer the world had ever seen in a wheelchair from 48 on. 
When people asked him if he was ever bitter, he often remarked that one plays the ball as it lies. A reference to one of his famous quotes, golf is the closest game to the game we call life. You get bad breaks from good shots, you get good breaks from bad shots, but you have to play the ball where it lies. As a young man, he was able to stand up to just about the best that life can offer, which is not easy. Herbert Warrant Wind wrote of him, and later he stood up with equal grace to just about the worst. Bobby Jones allowed the game of golf to teach him something more profound and more significant than the game itself. These lessons sustained him far beyond his ability to just play the game. It is the freedom and love inherent in the gospel that will ultimately sustain us as Christians. That is the reward. It is a gift freely given and it is freely received. And undeserving as we are of such a gift, may we remember that the gospel's essence is love. And it is the embodiment of love in our sharing that will sustain us as we continue to share the gospel with others. Amen.